Coming up on today's Locked On Dodgers, Freddie Freeman homers against his old team. Kenley Johnson returns to Dodger Stadium. Clayton Kershaw looked good until he didn't just for a little bit. Uh, Cody Bellinger's turning some heads. We got a lot to talk about, so make sure to keep it Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. And remember, you can find us simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. And to make it easier on yourself, just subscribe in those places and you'll never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time listening or watching. I'm Ben Samperio, Shrezzering Fiends, with my co-host Jess Snyder of Baseball Essential. We are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you, although we've also spent some time in the press box and locker room covering the Dodgers. While we're not quite insiders, we're still here to bring you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince. I already told you guys who I am. Uh, go ahead and subscribe, and let's talk some Dodgers. I'm Jeff. Yeah, that's Jeff. Uh, yeah, like Freddie Freeman said, there's a lot of emotions running around, so maybe I'm, I'm caught up in that. The Dodgers won their seventh in a row, uh, first one against the Braves, and after that one and two start, the Dodgers are now eight and two, first team, or not first team, well, I guess first team they wins, uh, but best record, and then a West, best record in baseball. At the moment, started eight and two last year, started eight and two this year. So it only means that there's at least 106 wins total coming. Uh, but let's start with the big news: Freddie Freeman, first game against the Braves. Uh, talked about all of his, all of his emotions before the game. Talked about all of his emotions after the game. Hit a home run in his first at bat against his former team. And yeah, there's a lot to get into with Freddie Freeman, Jeff. So. Uh, where do you want to start? Yeah, first of all, Freddie's the nicest guy in the world. Like, you can tell, like, he's just a genuine guy. I really like Freddie Freeman. Um, the uh, One of the things, I, I feel like we got a lot of information in that pregame press conference thing in the dugout with Freeman. He mentioned that he and Alex Anthopoulos had a, a three-hour FaceTime call about a week after he signed with the Dodgers. You remember the day that the Dodgers held the press conference announcing the Freeman signing, somebody asked if he had seen Anthopoulos's tears or or, uh, or what he thought of Anthopoulos's tears, and Freddie just said, well, I saw him, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, and, and so it seemed like there were some hard feelings at the time, but it seems like all that has been put behind him. Uh, we saw it, it, it was maybe a good thing that uh, – Ronald Acuna is not with the team. He's starting his rehab assignment today. And so uh, probably a good thing since he's the only one who's had anything negative to say about Freeman. Uh, we, we saw a big hug between Freeman and Ozzy Albies and Albies and Acuna are tight. Um, but yeah, all in all, it was, uh, it was kind of a, a really cool thing for Freeman. He said after the game, the thing he would remember most was just going into the visiting locker room and seeing, all those guys who we hadn't seen since their World Series parade. And, you know, more stuff to kind of remind you that these guys are real people with real emotions. Yeah, and, I mean, he just kept touching on those emotions on, I think you, you said the word, uh, you know, just happy to see them or those are my brothers, you know, some kind of iteration of that a, a bunch of times. Uh, I think at one point he said that 
someone asked them, oh, because, you know, Freddie Hugs were a thing in Atlanta. They asked them how many Freddie Hugs. He said, oh, probably like 25 Freddie Hugs in four tears shed so far. So, you know, he, he was over there. He said when he when he did uh, see Anthopolis in person, he took him down the stairs into more into more of the locker room or clubhouse because, uh, you know, he didn't want people to see the, those emotions that happened. So, I mean, for him to have all those emotions, and he said it in the pregame that, you know, once the game starts, once you're in between those lines, then, you know, he's just another guy trying to win a game. And we saw that right away when he homers in the first inning, first Dodger home run. Uh, he said after the game that Trey Turner messed with him and uh, told him, oh, it was cool of you to wait nine games to hit your first one against the Braves. Uh, but all in all, you know, he, he – Good for him. You know, he already had his homecoming last week in terms of, you know, playing in front of a bunch of friends and family in, his, in the home opener. Now he has this. He said he's got to kind of get it out of the way early on just also because he wanted to see everybody on that side. Um, and then, you know, he, he's just – he'll go, he'll get his ring in June. He said he, he saw somebody on the Brave side uh, wearing their ring, and he told him to, you know, put it or put his hand away because he wanted to see it in person the first time when he gets it in June. And, you know, he, you can still tell he's very proud of what the Braves did last year and, you know, rightfully so. Uh, but like I said, once the game started back to business and the Dodgers did just that, putting up seven runs again, uh, the boomer bust offense, the offense that scores multiple runs in one inning, uh, continue to do that. And, and, you know, he was part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it really, I don't know. It's kind of a cliche to say you couldn't have scripted it better and because you could have. Uh, but one, one thing that I, I really, you know, this is a cheesy dad moment for me. I, I didn't watch the beginning of the game because I was picking up my son and his friends from freshman baseball practice. And I ended up driving uh, five boys besides my son home. And so, you know, it took about a half hour to get home. So we listened to the first inning or, or inning and a half on the radio. And when Freeman hit that home run, it happened to come right after we had just dropped off the last kid. So it was just me and my son in the car uh, sitting in the front seat. And Freeman hit that home run. And, you know, Charlie Steiner gave the call. And, uh, you know, it, it, he's, Duvall's going, Duvall has to run for it, whatever. And it's a home run. And uh, my son and I, my, my son still actually giggles a little bit every time he sees Freeman in a Dodger uniform. He's so excited about Freddie Freeman being a Dodger. And the spontaneous, we high-fived each other while I'm driving and just – that cheesy dad moment of it reminded me one of the things that I love about baseball is bringing families together. And even though I was a little bit bummed that I didn't get to see Freeman's home run, obviously I watched it several times later, but that moment listening to it on the radio in the car with my son, uh, it reminded me actually of the 2018 NLCS, the home run that JT hit off of uh, Jeremy Jeffress to win game two. Uh, my daughter and I were driving down to California for that. So we listened to that game on the radio and uh, that home run, just all that emotion and being there with my daughter, it reminded me of that. I, I don't know. It's just, a, I, I think people listen to the show for my cheesy dad moments, but uh, I love baseball because of the, the memories I make with my family, you know? Yeah. And, you know, speaking of cheesy dad moments, you saw a video of Charlie Freeman running up to, to Danzy Swanson. I'm sure uh, he would have wanted Acuna to be there since Acuna was his favorite, you know, brave at the, uh, uh, when he was there all those years. But, yeah, just, you know, a lot going on. And, you know, speaking of those emotions, Kenley Jansen, part of it, coming back to Dodger Stadium for the first time, uh, he was supposed to meet with the media around 4.30. He got pushed back uh, a couple times, and then uh, we ended up not speaking to him until, like, 5.45. But either way, he was a good sport. He talked, you know, mentioned, you know, what 
how hard it was to leave the Dodgers, but he felt it was something he wanted to do and, you know, something for his career. Uh, he mentioned how he expected to get a warm welcome from the fans. Uh, they asked, so interesting, they asked Dave Roberts how he would feel if they played his music coming in when he came in. Dave Roberts said he wouldn't have an issue with it. Uh, Kenley Jensen actually said that he wouldn't have wanted them to do that because, uh, you know, it, it's still the Dodgers home and, you know, he's a visitor now. So, you know, that part of that kind of juxtaposition was pretty cool. Um, but all in all, Kenley Jensen did not pitch uh, because the Braves didn't have a lead and uh, he didn't have, you know, he, they didn't put him in and he got a nice ovation from the crowd before the game. Uh, they played a little tribute video and the Dodgers gave him a couple of mementos, uh, Turner and, and, and the guys were out there. So, you know, for, I guess a little anticlimactic because, you know, it's a good it's a relief pitcher that you don't want to see come into a game. Uh, but all in all, I, I feel like, you know, the, the, he got his, he got what he wanted and he might still pitch the next two games of the series, but hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully there won't be a safe situation. But both teams do have the day off on Thursday. And so it seems likely that uh, if the Dodgers, you know, win, if they sweep this series, that Kenley would probably get the pitch on Wednesday anyway uh, as just kind of a, you know, I assume Snicker would put him out there so the Dodger fans could give him his his welcome or whatever, uh, since they do have the day off the next day. But yeah, uh, good to see Kenley, and yeah, it, it, it's weird seeing guys wearing what seems like the wrong uniforms, you know? Yeah, Dave Roberts mentioned that he does look better in a Dodgers uniform. So. Everybody does. Uh, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Even you and I look good in Dodger blue, you know? Yeah, exactly. So... That was all the emotional parts. Uh, I guess maybe Clayton Kershaw brings some emotions for Jeff, but not as, not as emotional as the last game when he had a perfect game. But we're going to talk about Clayton Kershaw. We're going to talk about Cody Bellinger. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Baseball season's underway. The basketball playoffs are underway. And for all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, head over to Bet Online because they're your continued source for all your sports wagering information. From live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. I mean, if you started putting some money down on the Dodgers and the over, like I mentioned, you might uh, start winning yourself some money because the Dodgers have put up five or put up at least five runs in almost all their games on this win streak, at least seven runs uh, in a handful of those games. So go check out the Dodgers lines every day on betonline.net and learn more about all the other trends and actions going on. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day, every weekday morning that we're here for you. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. You can also hear us on there uh, as recaps from MLB games with analysis from our local experts. Uh, taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. And you'll probably hear Jeff on there sometimes since he handles most of our now. So check out the Locked On Now podcast. And let's talk about Clayton Kershaw, Jeff. He was He did not get through nine perfect innings to start the season uh he did give up a hit in that first inning was cruising along the way had a lot of swings and misses and seemed to run out of gas slash maybe facing the lineup the third time through uh there in the sixth inning ran into a little trouble ended up with the line of uh four runs allowed because Gratterall uh, allowed a couple of his runners to come in but all in all up until that sixth inning Kershaw was looking like he has all spring and looking like he did last week yeah, he pitched a lot better than his final line shows. Uh, even the fact that the, the Braves only had two runs when Kershaw left the game. And as is the case for Kershaw's entire career, uh, you know, it wasn't really Gratterall's fault. Gratterall comes with second and third, nobody out. Uh, it would have been great if he had only allowed one of those runs to score. But realistically, 
your goal there is to only let those two guys score, get your three outs and get out of the inning. And, and that's what Gratterall did. Uh, but yeah, you know, Kershaw threw five innings, had allowed one run. It was a great start in a perfect world. Maybe they pull him there. Uh, but you know, there, there was no reason they're going to have to find out at, at some point how built up he is. Uh, if anything, it did put to rest the idea that Kershaw could have gone a hundred or 110 pitches five days ago, uh, because he ran out of gas at about 85 in this game, which is, uh, kind of what we would expect. So, uh, it was, it was a good game for Kershaw. And like Kershaw said, after the game, luckily the offense scored a bunch of runs and, that, you know, I talked about this on yesterday's episode, the, the benefit of having that that booming early in the game in the fourth inning again for the second game in a row is that you can have a little bit of breathing room there. And so you can let Kershaw, you know, try to get through that inning on his own, whatever uh, the Dodgers were able to, you know, even though the, the final score is seven to four, Kimbrell gets a save. It was never really even that close. I mean, the, the Braves had the tying run, uh, on base, I get or at the yeah the tying run on base uh, against against Gratterall at one point. But other than that, the game wasn't really that close. There there was very few moments where we actually thought the Dodgers might lose this game or you know it might be a, a close one. And so that that's what you like from these these big innings, and it lets them kind of work their way up to ho- hopefully Kershaw can get built up and by. June and July, he's he's peaked Kershaw, and you know they can count on him for seven or eight innings. But getting five innings from Kershaw right now uh, of quality innings, we'll take it. You know, yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, he, he's getting the swings and misses on the slider, which is good. He continued to keep his slider and fastball, uh, you know, differentiated by four or five miles an hour, which is what we talked about last time. Of a good thing, uh, threw a couple changeups today. Uh, but you know nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. But like I said, eleven swings and misses, eight of them on that slider, seven strikeouts, all swinging. He's not it's, like we talked about last time. It's not smoking mirrors. He's legitimately doing this, you know, with that dominant slider, and you know, by differentiating his pitches. And you know, all in all, it's good to see he he definitely. I mean, you look at his baseball savant page, and it's all bright dark red. Uh, he's in the ninety nine or hundred percentile, and. You know, XERA, X batting average, X slugging, X, X Woba, hard hit percentage, average exit velocity, strikeout percentage, whiff percentage. I mean, yeah, it's only two starts, but two starts against, you know, two offenses that aren't, you know, just complete pushovers, uh, you know, similar to kind of maybe the Reds offense is a little more pushover, but he didn't face them. He faced the Twins and he faced the Braves. And, you know, all in all, good so far to continue what he did in the spring. And I'm excited to see what he can keep doing this year. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to somebody else that uh, has, well, like Bellinger had a bad spring, uh, had a little bit rough start to the start of the season, uh, but seems to be figuring things out. And I know you had a tweet kind of breaking down how Bellinger uh, figures things out and maybe a sign of good things to come, continue to come. Yeah, we, we've seen this over the years. You know, Bellinger has always been fluky, even, even his rookie year, you know, he, uh, he started off really slow, got that infield single for his first career hit in San Francisco, and then kind of took off and forced the Dodgers hand. But he had some the, some bad streaks during that season. Obviously, the postseason that year was terrible. Uh, 2018, he was he was worse. 2019, he was great the first month and a half of the season. Uh, people think he was bad the last half of the season, but his like he had like a 915 OPS or something in the second half of 2019. It was just bad compared to 
what he had been in the first half. But, uh, you know, in the 2020 and 2021 have both struggled. But uh, every time he's come out of these struggles, it, or I don't know about every time, but a pattern I've noticed over the years is that he'll start hitting the ball hard. Uh, you know, first he stops striking out. The, when, the, when he's striking out a ton, obviously that's a problem. That's what we saw all spring training. Then he stops striking out as much, uh, starts hitting the ball, and then he starts hitting the ball hard, but it's ground balls. And, you know, and, and you start to see, oh, he's so close to, to figuring this out. And I actually had that thought with his, uh, his two ground outs in, in his first two at-bats of this game against the Braves that, you know, the one, it was like 87 miles an hour, not a hard ground out, but, you know, like, okay, he's starting to get there. The next one was 96 miles an hour, hard ground out, scored a run. Uh, you're like, okay, he, he's close. He's just got to now start elevating. Well, the next one, it's a line drive for a double. Next one, line drive over the wall. And, and that's kind of the pattern we've seen with Belly over the years is he, he kind of figures it out in stage. And it's probably common for a lot of players. Uh, I know Jock Peterson, when he's struggling, uh, it's, it's a lot of, pop-ups and pulling ground outs and and it's so it's the it's more the launch angle than anything else is the problem and launch angle for belly always seems to be the last thing he figures out but those last two hits the double and the home run in this game were 22 and 21 uh degrees launch angle which is great especially if you're hitting it over 100 miles an hour which he did on both of those you know, the big difference between those two was the 21 degree launch angle was also hit 107 miles an hour and that's enough to get over the wall and uh had that backspin a bit uh, you know, Bellinger since, so you mentioned he, he went over eight uh, in the first two games of the season. Since then he is 10 for 28, uh, which is, you know, but three fifty ish uh, somewhere around there. His OPS is over a thousand since then uh, overall his, his OPS this season is now up to eight sixty six. Uh, just, I mean, Cody is having a good season so far. And it's still hit or miss. You know, Joe Davis has mentioned a couple times, every game this season, Cody has had either zero hits or two hits. Hasn't had a one-hit game, hasn't had a three-hit game. You know, it's zero or two. But you know what? If you, you stack up enough of those twos, uh, that, that'll do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and we talked about, you know, Bellinger a lot, obviously, and kind of what we expect from him. And, you know, realistically at this point, if he can just be – an adequate offensive player along with the gold glove defense in center field, you know, that's still, you know, borderline all-star with the hot streak to start the season or a couple hot streaks to start the season. And that's, you know, borderline all-star, which is obviously the Dodgers could ask for more, but at this point they don't need to ask for too much more. They already have, you know, MVP candidates at the top of the lineup. They already have guys that are all-stars in the middle of the, and toward the bottom of the lineup. They don't need him necessarily to be that. Obviously if he can, that's just a benefit. Uh, but it's also a matter, like you said, it, it's him, whatever it is, slowly figuring it out. And, and it is funny. You look at it. It's 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 2 for 3, 0 for 3, 0 for 2 for 4, 2 for 3, 0 for 4, 2 for 3, 0 for 4, 2 for 4. So, like you said, regardless of, of how that streak goes, you pick up a bunch of two-hit games. I, it was a little bit misleading stat that they had after the game where uh, he's had five multi-hit games already. Uh, he didn't get that until the end of July last season, but he was hurt, so that you know contributed to that. But he also has had two games with two extra base hits this season, which he didn't do, I don't think, or time what he did last year. So regardless of you know everything else, he's already on a better pace than he was last season, and hopefully he can just keep going and get, build that confidence. And if you know if he can OPS around eight hundred, that's more 
than plenty for the Dodgers. Yeah, and both of those games that he had a, a double and a homer in uh, were the two Kershaw starts. So apparently Cody Bellinger likes Clayton Kershaw and wants to help him out. Yeah, I think he last game he said that he gets bored out there in center field when Kershaw starts. So maybe that's the key to unlocking Bellinger's power is to keep him bored out there in center field. Yeah, stop letting people <laughs> hit the ball to center field so Cody feels like he needs to get in on the action. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're going to talk about Blake China. We're going to talk about uh, the non oh, Funny that those two go back to back. The non conspiracy conspiracy that uh, Dave Roberts is bringing up. But first, let's talk about Rock Auto because this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And why choose to spend up to 100% more for the same parts from a chain store car dealership? You can go to Rock Auto and be treated the same as everybody else. You don't need to be a mechanic, you don't need to work at a car dealership, and you can save money. You're looking at a Honda Odyssey fuel pump in the chain stores, they are $353. from Rock Auto. That's a big, big, big savings. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. You don't have to go into a store. You get it shipped directly to you. A lot of things that benefit you there from Rock Auto. Their website's easy to use. You don't have to worry about, you know, walking around the aisles or asking somebody. You can just look for what you need right there on their website. So head over to rockauto.com. Check it out. Know you're supporting a family business that's been serving people online for over 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com and check out all those parts available for your car, truck. They will, might ask you, how did you hear about us? And when that box pops up, let them know that Locked On sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Jeff, let's start off with Blake Trinan, who hasn't pitched since the home opener on last week, uh, Thursday. And it seemed to – there's a situation that seemed to lend itself to Blake Trinan uh, last night. He didn't come in, and they asked Dave Roberts about it after the game. He said that Trinan's arm was, quote, barking uh, in his last appearance, that he threw, felt a little bit better, but that he probably won't pitch this series, and which means he might not pitch till at least Friday. Um, to me, it's interesting that I know the IL is different this year. It's 15 days compared to 10 days. But to me, it's interesting how you pull Kershaw out you know, 80 pitches when, you know, he was seemingly cruising, but we understand that situation. So where somebody's arm is barking and you don't just immediately put him on the IL this early in the season. But, uh, you know, he knows better than us, at least of, of, you know, maybe barking to me has a stronger connotation than it does today, Roberts. Yeah. And some of it is probably just looking at the schedule and the current roster. You've got 16 pitchers on the, on the roster, uh, 10 true relief pitchers. And so it's, uh, you know, they could probably, especially with how well the starting pitchers have been pitching, they can probably get away with it. I thought it was interesting. Joe Davis actually told us about trying to barking arm during the game. Uh, and yet none of the, the beat reporters knew about it at that point because several people were, were tweeting. You know, I saw one Trebio and, and a couple other people, uh, Fabian Ardaya, tweeting, This is weird. This is a training situation. I wonder why training is not in the game. And uh, so I, I don't know how Joe Davis had that information, but uh, the other, the beat reporters didn't. Uh, but yeah, Dave, uh, Dave Roberts did clear it up after the game. And yeah, it makes sense with, with the day off on Thursday. Uh, if Roberts thinks it's not like they have anybody in the minor leagues who is ready to go. They already kind of have everybody. Andre Jackson is really the only Andre Jackson and Darian Nunez, yeah. I guess. Technically, they send down Clevenger for Bigford. That's true. So they could call Clevenger back up. And I think the injured list is only 10 days uh, right now. Mm-hmm. I think until that May 1st thing, I think that was one of the the 
caveats of that. So they could, but uh, if they really do think it's only going to be a few days or whatever, uh, and they're they're doing fine, uh, I was happy to see Bickford in that situation because that is a situation that we're going to see Bickford in this year. And you know, I mean, the Dodgers spent all spring telling us Blake Trinan is not going to be defined by an inning, and so yeah, in a way, that eighth inning d- did seem like it would have been his. Really, the seventh inning was the more surprising one because the the eighth inning was. Uh, a little bit farther down the lineup. But the, the seventh inning where Daniel Hudson pitched seemed to me more like the kind of inning that Trinan would pitch. Uh, but I love seeing the Bickford out there. It was kind of a, a really good easing in opportunity for Bickford because it was high leverage. It was the eighth inning, but also it is, you know, closer to the bottom of the lineup and, uh, you know, not a super tight game. It was a two-run game at that point. So all in all, it was it was kind of a, a good happy medium to get Bickford out there, and he looked great. You know, the, he gave up the uh, he's the one who gave up the infield single to Darno, right? Yeah, yeah. So he gives up a a, a hit to Darno that went four feet. Uh, the, you probably didn't see the stat cast that popped up on the screen since you were at the game. Uh, yeah, it was a fifty-five mile an hour exit velocity, negative seventy-one degree <laughs> launch angle, uh, estimated distance four feet. Uh, and that turns into a base hit for Travis Darno once in a while. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Bickford looked great. And so uh, I was happy, obviously not happy that, that Trinan's hurt and hopefully not too concerned. If anything, the fact that they are not rushing to put him on the IL seems like it probably really is a very precautionary move on their part. But I was really happy to see Bickford out there and looking good because he looked really good. He was uh, maybe even thrown harder than I than I remember because he I, I think he was hitting 94 tonight and i think of bickford as more of a 92 93 kind of guy most of the time yeah he would top out around 94 95 uh, i believe last year so that makes sense uh yeah i mean in terms of it now that with you know the covid restrictions kind of going away you know joe davis will have more of that information this year that's just you know another note on that because he can go down there i've seen him on the field uh, two, the two times i've been there uh, covering the covering the game, he's been down on the field talking to guys around the around the batting cage, talking to Dave Roberts, talking to the coaches. So you know he will have some of that information. And then in the press box, they don't have the the broadcast running, so someone will have to be listening to it. So in that sense, but either way, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I think that was perfect for Bigford. I think realistically, kind of from what we've seen, you know, Bigford Gratterall are kind of interchangeable in their roles. So if Bigford had been already on the roster and, and, you know, been ready to go. He might've got that inning coming in after Kershaw and then Gratterall would have probably got the seventh or eighth inning. But regardless between Hudson, Gratterall, Bigford and Trinan, you know, that's four guys that can kind of handle and diffuse situations that they trust. Um, obviously trying to be down for a couple of days, they'll still be able to figure it out. So, uh, but let's move on to some offensive things. Uh, Dave Roberts uh, mentioned that he's not a conspiracy theorist, but, that he was confounded and confused by, or he said something's different. Uh, Gavin Lux hit a ball today that looked like it was going to clear the center field wall pretty easily, uh, and then it didn't end up clearing the wall. And then there was a tweet going around about MLB home run rates. Uh, Starting from 2018, home run rates by year, 4.5%. 2019, 5.5%. 2020, 5.2%. 2021, 5%. And this year down to 4.3%. Uh, the guy that posted it, Derek Cardi, he seems to be smart at numbers. He says that we're at the point where this data should be pretty stable, adjust, and it's adjusted for weather, park, player quality, and universal DH. Uh, there's been a couple of balls hit so far at Dodger Stadium that 
looked like they were going to be gone, not just from the Dodgers, but from other teams as well. I had been attributing it to the Marine layer uh, because it has been a little bit cooler at the stadium, but maybe the balls are a little bit different or something's a little bit different. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the ultimate fact is that major league baseball has lost all its credibility when it comes to the baseball and the integrity of the baseball. The fact that it's changed four times in the last five years and we never knew about it ahead of time. Uh, yeah, of course, we're all going to jump to the conspiracy theory because uh, unfortunately, when it comes to Rob Manfred, a lot of times cons- conspiracy theories are true. And so, yeah, the ball is probably different. You know, Lux hit that ball 103.4 miles an hour at a 28 degree launch angle, uh, which is an expected batting average of 860, meaning 86% of the time a ball hit with that launch angle and exit velocity is a hit. And I would guess that the vast majority of those 86% are home runs because uh, that, I mean, that's a home run. That's, that is home run exit velocity and launch angle. And, you know, obviously that you can hit it hard, but if you get a little bit on top of it or, or don't quite get the backspin, it's not going to travel as far, but you know, at that, those numbers, you expect to see a home run and, and we didn't tonight. And Gavin Lux has had, you know, he had one last year that uh, should have been a home run and wasn't, you know, there, there's been, uh, I, we have too many in the last five years, we, going back to Cody Bellinger in game two of the 2017 world series. Uh, and and Will Smith, uh, when was Will Smith's? 2019, oh, 2019. Game five. Oh, that game. I forgot <laughs> that game existed. Yeah, so there, there's been too much of this garbage. Uh, and, you know, the, the good thing is, and, and I meant to pull this up, but, you know, the Dodgers have had a ton of big innings this year, and there have been very few home runs involved in any of those innings. Uh, and so either the home runs are going to start coming or they're not, but either way, the Dodgers' offense is going to be okay because they can hit. Uh, hopefully some of these these balls will start hitting the home runs, especially as the weather warms up and, and whatever else happens and Major League Baseball secretly changes the balls again and whatever else they're going to do. Uh, but the Dodgers are going to score runs either way, and so it's not a huge deal. But, yeah, I'd like to see Gavin Lux when he hits a home run. I'd like to see the ball go over the wall, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was talking to a Reds fan that I know, and, you know, he was saying, yeah, we, we have no chance if the balls are, are not juiced or if, you know, the it's – cooler at our stadium the ball's not flying because they're kind of built for the home run or at least that's what he said uh he would know better than i would because i'm not a reds fan but the dodgers like I said not built for the home run they're able to sustain this offense and eventually the home run are gonna start coming out like i said as things heat up and uh you know they're not at dodger stadium all the time so we'll see what happens but either way like I said, Dodgers offense is doing well, and they will continue to do well, you would imagine. we got a good matchup tomorrow with Max Fried and Walker Buehler, so there might not be too much offense early on. But, uh, you know, maybe the Dodgers can get to Max Fried. They've gotten to him before in, in other times. Uh, but before we head out, uh, Jeff, is there anything else you want to add? I just have one last thing. Um, Dodgers, former Dodgers minor league coach Mark Curtinian, he's been a guest on the show. He is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet, and I just read this morning – that he is battling a rare uh, neurological condition. He had to travel to the UK for treatment that is not available in the United States and is not covered by his insurance. And the life of a minor league coach is not a particularly uh, uh, affluent one. Uh, and, and so he, there is a Go, GoFundMe for him. We'll put the link to the GoFundMe in the description of this show on the podcast app and on YouTube. So you can go check it out. Uh, there there's uh yeah mark is a couple of years ago in 2019 when he was managing the ranch cucamonga quakes 
I was down there with my sons and, and I told Mark we were coming. He's, oh, have your sons come down onto the field. So my sons got to go hang out on the field during batting practice in the dugout before the game, getting autographs. And just, you know, Mark was just the nicest guy, just made, you know, he's there to manage a baseball game, but he made sure that my sons had the time of their life that game. They still talk about that game. Uh, just a great, great dude. He, he was a Dodger fan growing up before he was Dodgers coach. Uh, I actually first met him before he was a Dodgers coach. He bought some of my tickets to, to go to a Dodger game. He's uh, went to high school with the guy who used to have season tickets right in front of my seats, coincidentally. Uh, and just, but such a nice guy, such a good guy. And so keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And if you have the means to donate a little bit on his GoFundMe, that would be great too. Yeah, definitely was one of our, our favorite guests that's, uh, you know, not a player, had a lot to say. So, you know, hopefully he can, everybody can, uh, or hopefully he can get better and everyone can contribute if they can. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. We will be back tomorrow to talk about the Dodgers against the Braves. Um, keep an eye on Mookie Betts. We might talk about him if he doesn't have a great four for five breakout performance or something like that. You hear that, Mookie? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so. a threat. Yeah, Mookie, uh, let's get it going. If you need something else to listen to, check out Locked on MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, uh, a.k.a. Sully. He brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. Uh, you can find us on YouTube by searching Locked on Dodgers, wherever you get podcasts by searching Locked on Dodgers, on Instagram and Twitter by looking up Locked on Dodgers. You can find Jeff on Twitter at Snydog, and I'm Evan Samperio. DMs are open on all those accounts if you need to get a hold of us or reach out to us for whatever reason, uh, questions, comments, concerns. Other places you can direct questions, comments, concerns is email, lockedondodgers at gmail.com, and voicemail text, 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device play podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.